openly, openly let him come in. And he took advantage of that. And we want to just lift up that community and communities everywhere who are struggling with this. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so grateful for your amazing love. And God, that your heart of love and your grace blows our minds. It blows our minds because there's many times when we look at this thing, Lord, and, and we try not to. We try to be in your shoes and to, and to love like you love, Lord, but we step over into rage real fast. Lord, we step over into judgment and, to, and back into hate, and we want to deal out hate for hate really quick. And Father, we need your help on this. This is honestly beyond us. We can't, we can't handle these kind of situations. We'll want to just take it into our own hands and to fix it the best way we know how, and and it never works. But, Lord, your word promises us that love conquers all. And so, Lord, I thank you that in the middle of this, there's already been family members who have chosen to step out in love and to forgive. And, Lord, and that is amazing. God, I thank you, Lord, that that just releases this widespread place, Heavenly Father, where people begin to just see the power of the resurrected Christ who forgave us and allows us to forgive like nobody else can forgive. God, I thank you, Lord, for healing coming to that, to that church right now. Every one of those families who are suffering and, are, and have lost someone, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that healing is coming to their hearts. God, I just pray for all of the tensions and all of the crazy political whipped up stuff that takes place. And, Lord, we push that aside. And, Lord, we say your love wins in this thing. And we declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for praying with me on that. Well, this is the part of the service where those that came prepared to give, that we do that. This is very much something that's intentional. It's part of who we are. God so loved that he gave. We're made in his image. As we love, we give. It just happens. And so this morning we're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9-7, a passage around here we know very, very intimately because we understand this should be the baseline of all generosity as a believer. And it says, each of you should give as you have decided in your heart to give. When anything that's decided on means there's some thought put into it, okay? This isn't just saying all of a sudden some just, this thing just spontaneously pops up and you just have this spirit-led urge to write a check. No, this is this thing on you. You look at needs and you're like, I want to be a part of this. How can I, how can I connect? I make a decision within my heart. We, we, you should be thinking about how you're going to be a generous individual. But as you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, there's no arm twisting or any of that mess, because God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it. No, not a single dad wanted to get the ugly tie this morning simply because you're like, Dad, it's your day. Here's your thing. I checked it off. I gave you something. Nobody wants that. Why do we wear the ugly ties? Why do we do this different stuff? Because it was an act of love. And we'll wear that ugly tie and we'll do that silly thing and we'll enjoy all of it. Why? Because it was an act of love, of the cheerfulness. And our Papa God loves that same reaction. So as we're giving, let's just do that. Let's just love him. He loves it when we just love to just be generous and bless others in his name. So let's just make today's (coughs) giving an act of heart generosity out of love also for all of you who use our digital giving you can pass those baskets now all of you who use our digital resources thank you for doing that online and texting and the little card thing out front so thank you all for all of you who utilize 
that as well. Also, this is the place to put your prayer request in if you have one of those. All right. You can kind of tell I'm clicking along kind of fast here. Um, as I was prepping today's message, um, it was long. Don't worry, I'm not going to do that to you. And so we know dads like short messages. And so I'm going to try to give a dad message today. And um, that dads like to give long lectures, but hear short messages. And so, and, uh, so nothing against you, Dad. I love you, Dad. And uh, by the way, happy Father's Day, Dad. He's watching at home. And um, anyways, the, uh, uh, I, I lost my train of thought. Um, anyways, but to, uh, apparently at some point I need to do a whole series just on Abraham and him being connected. But, you know, growing up in kids' church, you know, I, I don't know if any of you grew up in a kids' church or a kids' environment, but if you do, you know the song, Father Abraham Had Many Sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and it was my favorite song because you got to stamp and move your arms and do all this kind of thing and turn around and sit down and do all this fun stuff with the Father Abraham song. And, um, and so at, here on Father's Day, when we get into this series that we're simply calling Forerunners, okay, we're simply going to take the next eight weeks, and we're going to take <clears throat> the, the admonition we have in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, which says that there's this great cloud of witnesses. There's these people that have gone before us and they are cheering us on and their life then speaks to our relationship with God now on their places of where they're walking in faith. And as we stand here on this side of the cross and we look through the cross and we look back into the, to these <clears throat> forerunners from the Old Testament, we can see how to interact with Father God through Jesus Christ here and now. All of that stuff, we don't have to just pull it out and kick it away. It's all, it's all applicable because the whole thing has been pointing to Jesus the whole time. It's all been about Jesus from day one. So today, let's just go ahead and get rolling. We're going to look at Father Abraham because the faith, if you've got your Version app or your notes, the faith of those who have gone before us <clears throat> shows us what it means to know God better and to trust him more. That's what Celebration Church is about. We're about helping people to know God better and to trust Him more. That's what living this life of faith is. You know, it can kind of sound mystical, this, you know, this, well, my faith or these kind of things. It's just trust. It's just baseline, letting God take care of you, direct your day, direct your life, your choices, weighing what He has to say over, over what you or anybody else has to say and trusting Him first. That's what faith is. And so as we're moving forward in that, let's just go ahead and look at Hebrews chapter 12. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. As believers, it's not making us fall back into everlasting death, but it does entangle us. The junk that God says isn't life-giving, that's sin. And it entangles us. It messes us up. It doesn't allow us to live life at the level we're supposed to live. And so let's get this picture, okay? There's this great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, okay? These people that are just sitting there wanting us to move forward. And as we see this next little bit, we'll recognize that this picture is a good picture. And what we should see is we should see the good old cowboy stadium, okay? Yes, we should. Great old, big, all the way around, screaming fans. Some of them screaming for absolutely no reason because, 
We'll not get into what the Cowboys do down on that film, but they're screaming anyways. But ours has a reason. Ours, though, because so this, this arena is filled, and guess where you are? You're not on the stands with your little jersey and your little pennant and your little thing cheering. You're on the field. And it says, let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. We're still in the middle of this. And there are those that have gone before us that see from a different plane, see from a different level, understand that the victory has already been won, and they are cheering us on for us to fully run the race that's marked out for us as individuals. And we are going to spend the next eight weeks looking at some of this. And today we're going to look at the life of Abraham. And this, series, this sermon is going to be a little bit different than my normal one. I normally tell you all a bunch of stories and tie everything in. But today, the story is Abraham and his life and, and, and his places of faith and what God did in his life. And while what I want us to walk away with are some, some <coughs> core points. And that as you are moving forward in your relationship with God, you are going to have to have this seated down deep in your heart. You're going to have to have the seed in, and the enemy's going to come to challenge this over and over again, okay? But the fact that God loves you so much that he gave you Jesus, it ought ought to seal this forever. That (coughs) That Abraham's faith points us for when we don't understand God's ways. Because guess what? In the middle of this, you're not always going to understand what God's up to. You're not always going to do it. He's got a different perspective on things, and you're not always going to understand it. That in that, you can know that God always does the right thing. He always does. He always does. We can rest assured that we can fully trust him because he's not going to undercut us or do something something messed up with our lives. That God is always, always doing the right thing. And Abraham grew in this understanding till finally he played this amazing role in the scope of all believers' lives. And we get introduced to this guy named Abram. His name gets changed to Abraham later. At the end of Hebrews chapter 11, in one of those parts that most Bible readers find boring. This guy had this son who had this son who had this guy and, and this person, hard name, hard name, skip it, get to somebody getting stabbed with a sword. And so... That part happens in Judges a lot. You'll like that. And so, um, um, anyways, and so, and that's kind of the part that you kind of can get, like, drudgery, okay? And we get introduced to Abraham, and we find out um, that his daddy was named Terah. That's pretty much all we know about him for the most part. And that his daddy died in a place called Haran. And we pick up at the very beginning, and uh, all we have is Abraham's name and that he's, and that he's married. And we pick up in, in verse uh, 1 of the very next chapter, verse 12, and we find out that God speaks to Abram. And he tells him something that could be a little disconcerting to most people. He says, I want you to leave your father's place and get up and I want you to go to a place I'll show you. Okay? You want me to go Where? Oh, I'm going to show you. So I'm supposed to get all my stuff and load it up and just start going. Just just go. Yep, I'll show you. This is where my daddy's buried. 
This is where my family's all been. This is where all my support system is. This is where everything is. Yeah. I want you to go. And Abram, Abram said, okay. And instead of staying in that secure place, then he took his wife. He had, they had no children. He was a rich man and had a lot of things and, and servants and those things. And he loaded up all his household. And he moves along. And he begins to, <clears throat> begins to travel. And God eventually begins to show him the place. And takes him to this place and shows it to him. And it's this place that we know now as Israel. It's right there where Israel is, is located. And he goes and he <clears throat> marches out and he's shown that place that God, that land that God will give him and his descendants at some point. Now we're going to pick up in, in Genesis chapter 15 and we're going to look at, <clears throat> I'm actually going to look at verse 1 and then we'll, your notes pick up in verse 2. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. He tells him, I'm the one that's going to protect you, and I am your reward. You're looking for a reward? Anybody that has a life-giving relationship with God understands that is its own reward. They're like, what do I get out of this deal with God? You get a relationship with God. The creator of the universe, you get that. Are there other stuff that comes along? Does he daily load us with benefits? Yes. Is he a healer? Yes. Is he a provider? Yes. Does he give us wisdom to be able to excel in life? Absolutely. But what's the number one thing? Him. Him. He gets, we get him. It's another subject. Um, but Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? Now, his name, Abram, at this point means father. He doesn't have any kids. He goes around, going around. He kind of grew up. He knew his, everybody kind of knew him in Haran. Terah named him father. Abram grew up, never had any kids. Everybody kind of adjusted in Haran to this guy named dad that had no children. Everybody kind of adjusted to it, Okay. Now he's got to travel around, and he has to introduce himself to all these people and all these things. And here's his stuff. And he says, who are you? Well, I'm, my, I'm father. Sweet. Where's your kids? Mm, don't have any. None of those. We're wanting to get real established before we start a family. And so, uh, so he, but it's on his heart. He says, I remain childless, and, one, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. My right-hand man, my servant, is going to get it all. And I want, I want an heir. I want, a, I want a son. This is what's on my heart. I want a son. And Abram said, you have given me no children, so a servant will inherit my household. My house, ah, a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him and said, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up to the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He simply believed God, and God said, Based on that, you're right with me. You're where you have righteousness. You are 
right. Now, Abram is 75 years old. He's an old guy already. Sorry, all you 75 people out there. He's an older gentleman already. His wife's right behind him by a few years. And they're like, we're still still believing. We're going to get this done. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, Abram went on and gave her a good wink. Woo. Had a conversation with Papa God. We're having a date. And... Uh, and so, uh, but in this process, it's 75 years. One of the things you need to understand is God's faithfulness and he always does the right thing, even if it takes a long time. Even if it takes a long time. Man, I tell you what, I, t- if today, if I'm preaching to nobody else, I'm preaching to Brandon Clark today. We have been pursuing this issue with getting this facility, this building for us for two years. We've had our ups and downs. We still, just to be honest, right now our contract's expired. We're still in conversation with both of the owners who want to sell us the building. They both desperately want us to get it. We're still working out the details. We're not over. But it's taken, for Brandon Clark, a long time. It hasn't been a fast process. I appreciate y'all's patience in this. But even if it takes a long time, see, God's timeline isn't kind of like our timeline. We see this with, with Lazarus' sisters. Lazarus was one of Jesus' best buddies. And, and he's sick, and he's dying. And, and they send word, and they say, Jesus, come on, come on, come on, come on, come over here and heal him. We know you can heal him. You're a healer. We know it. Come heal him. And Jesus ministers in the, in the route. And he didn't all of a sudden kick it into high gear and get there. And Lazarus dies. He's he's dead. But see, what he had told those sisters, when they came to him, he said, this sickness won't end in death. Well, he died. Well, if Jesus says it won't end in death and he's dead, guess what? It's not the end. It's not the end. So Jesus finally rolls into town. Sisters come up and said, if only you would have been here, he'd still be with us. Your timeline, Jesus, is jacked up because he's dead. We know you could have healed him, but you were too late. And then he says, roll away the stone. They're like, ooh, it's been four days, Jesus. Four Israel, Middle East days. Hot outside days. It is not going to be a pleasant thing. We pop that seal and open this up. Just open it up. It says Lazarus come forth. forth, And he hops out in his little stuff. Little garments. And it says he bounds out. He comes out. Alive. It did not end in death. Jesus is God's timeline. It's not our timeline. And so we so want to shoehorn God into our schedule in a place of faith is saying, God, I know you love me and I will trust your schedule as much as I want to kick and throw a fit and and send you little notes and remind you it's time to do this now. God, I understand and I believe you even if it takes a long time. We pick up again in Genesis chapter 16, and it says, Now Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. It's still the case. But, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. 
This has been a few years. Lots of date nights. No results. Says, so she has this maidservant. She decides. She decides, maybe this is me. Maybe this is me, honey. God promised you a son. And I'm not going to stand in the way. And she did something that no loving wife in her right mind could do. And she says, you see my young little maidservant. Um, why don't you just treat her like she's me tonight? And you can have her. And sadly, Lord help us. Oh, big faith Abraham. He doesn't fight it or rebuke her at all. He's like, sure. And that's where you just want to just give old father Abraham a smack. And uh, so, so she tells him, says to Abraham, the Lord has kept me from having children go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. And he goes in and sure enough, everything functions, everything works. She gets, Hagar gets pregnant and has a son. His son was named Ishmael. And it was prophesied that Ishmael would raise up and become a great nation as well. And the Middle Eastern region still look back to Ishmael as their first father. And in fact, the bulk of the tensions in the Middle East right now still come back to this moment. To where there was a son of, that, were from the, that, that was blessed by God and was grown up. And we're believing God to do great things in, in the Islamic people and whatnot. We're believing God to do great things there. But they claim him as their lin- linkage to Abraham. All of the Islamic people claim Abraham as father. And they go back through Ishmael. And, so, and we're believing God to do great things there. But God had said that, given him a, a promise, that it was going to go a different route. And, uh, and so in so many times, we want, we want things on our own timeline. And uh, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's not slow in keeping his promise, as you and I understand slowness. We're like, God, you're slow. He's like, mm, no. No, no, I'm not slow. Instead, where does his slowness manifest? How does his slowness manifest? It says, instead, he's patient with you. What you're calling slow, it's his patience. It's his outpouring of love. It's his patience with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's got everybody on his heart, and he's got a bigger plan than you trying to whoop things up to get things your way. There's something more going on here. The next piece is, is that God always does the right thing even if it seems absurd. Even if it seems laughable. We pick them up again in Genesis 18. It says, and then the Lord will, <clears throat> it says, Then the Lord said, I will return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah is listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. She's hearing this conversation with Abram and the, <clears throat> and the Lord. And Abram and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself 
as she thought. After I am worn out, my master, and my master is old. I'm worn out, and he's an old man. Seriously? Now I'm going to have this pleasure of having a son now? And she's laughing. It says, and the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old. Is anything too hard for God? He says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year. Sarah will have a son. She will have a son. He says to the first time, get up to go to a place I'm going to show you. He says, okay. He does it. He says, you're going to have a son. And he ends up having a son when that son, there was nothing to bring life to that son. It was completely a miraculous act. Completely a miraculous act. Abram's convinced of it. Sarah's convinced of it. He's 90-something years old. She's 90 years old. This is a miracle. There have a, a son. We see here in Romans chapter 4, 19, it says, Without weakening in his face, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. This is Romans thing, that he already reckoned to have received Isaac from the dead once. Let's file that away. He's already seen her. There's no source of life here. God infused the life. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. God said we were going to have a son. Even though nothing can, right now could potentially give it, God's going to do it. And he was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Being fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. So he already one time goes out to a place that God's going to show him. And God ends up taking him into this amazing land in this place where his entire lineage is going to have and is given them to perpetuity. Okay? He's already given that. He's already received the son of promise from a place of deadness one time. Okay? Now the next thing we understand with Abram is that even if it doesn't seem right... Even if it doesn't seem right, God will still do the right thing. We have a peculiar connection here in the, a little bit later in, <clears throat> there in uh, um, uh, verse uh, in chapter 18. And it's Abraham is connected and there was this place where um, there was going to be this judgment that was brought. And uh, Abraham says, you know, he has family that lives in this area in Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, you know, are you going to wipe out everything or would you not do the right thing? And there's this place where there's this negotiation that takes place. And finally it gets down. It's like, yeah, if, if, there's, if the righteous, if there's ten righteous there, then I'll spare the whole thing. This place is full of wickedness. You think our world is wicked? This is way more wicked. Way more wicked. Read it. It's way more wicked. He says, if there's 10 righteous that are there, okay? I want to put a little button right there, a little, little stop button. Okay, all these people who are saying that if God doesn't judge America, he's got to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, okay, here's the thing. If God judged America, he would have to apologize to Abraham. Because he told Abraham for 10 righteous, he'd spare the whole thing. 
he ends up getting Lot and he is out. And you can read just how their definition of righteous was. We won't get into that story. But you and I wouldn't call it righteous. But God did. And he got them out. Um, are you righteous? Anybody here a believer? Anybody here a believer? Anybody here been made righteous by the righteousness imputed to them by Christ Jesus alone? Any of you in here? We got more than 10 in here? I think San Angelo's safe. You think you got 10 in New York? I think New York's safe. We got 10 in Las Vegas. I think Vegas is safe. We got 10 in just about every community. I think we're safe. Okay? Let's quit wait, thinking that God's going to rain down here following brimstone. He spares it for the sake of the righteous. You and I, so we can go around and tell about how righteousness can be imputed to you and you don't have to go around earning it by your own sweat, blood, and tears. That Jesus' sweat, blood, and tears gave it to us. There we go. Even when it doesn't seem right. And the last one we get is even if we don't understand. Even if we don't understand. And here comes the big one. We're going to pick up. It's not in your notes. I had way too many scriptures here. Genesis 22. He's, here he is. He's received his son, his one and only son. Woo! He's received him. He has him. He's a young man, kid. He says, now take your son, your only son, Isaac. Not, don't go find Ishmael. Your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. Go in this direction, and I'm going to show you the exact spot. One more time, he gets told, go, and I'm going to show you. He's already played that he knows God's faithful. We're going to load up. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place that God had told him. And then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And he saw that God's revealing to him where it's supposed to be. And he says, and Abraham said, to the young men stay here with the donkey the lad and i will go yonder and worship and we shall come back to you he already knows what god told him to do offer your son that makes no stinking sense i don't care who you are that sounds like some pagan jacked up messed up ritual god says he's already proven i'm good I do the right thing. I'm faithful. I don't bring down on the unjust. He's already shown him over and over again. And Abraham has allowed each win to build his relationship with God. And we get to this moment. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. It's debated on whether or not that word for goes in there. I reached out to my personal Hebrew scholar and my brother-in-law and asked him for a breakdown of this. And it actually reads better the way the King James reads it, which is God will provide himself a lamb. This is one of those first things that points towards Jesus. You're like, how does that point towards Jesus? Well, the first thing when Jesus begins his ministry, John the Baptist, the forerunner, says, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That it was coming. 
He says, God will provide. He tells him, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So the two of them went together and they came to the place of of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound his Isaac, his son, and he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad, nor do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram, not a lamb, a ram, caught in the thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. He had done it in his heart, and that was all that mattered. It was done. Remember, Jesus says if you've murdered in your heart, it's done. If you've committed adultery in your heart, it's done. He was willing to go the distance in his heart, and it was done. You're like, why does this matter? Well, we understand that we have a relationship with God that's called a covenant. A covenant requires both parties to be willing to give everything into it. God wanted to present his son, the lamb, to take away the sin of the world. He needed a man to partner with him for humanity who would be willing to go to the same place that God himself was going to have to go. And Abraham said, I will do it. And Abraham was the one. And from that place, and we, you look all through, read your New Testament Bible. We are talked to about that we are the seed of Abraham. We've been brought in. We've been grafted in as the children of Abraham. All of this stuff gets connected back into this place. You don't have to understand it to understand Jesus. But when you understand Jesus and you look back, this all of a sudden makes so much sense. It is absolutely amazing. And here he was. Now let's look at Hebrews 11's take on this. Because remember, he had already received, he had already received his son from a dead womb, from a place of deadness. He had already received him miraculously once. Hebrews 11's take on this said, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Even though God had said to him, Through Isaac, your offspring will be reckoned. Isaac was too young to have had any children at this point. It just wasn't happening. And Abraham reasoned that God would raise him from the dead. That's why he was not giving lip service to those two guys and said, we're going to come back. He's like, God, this is my son. This is the one he's promised me. Abraham did just like what our father God did. God saw, he gave Jesus up and saw him and received him back, raised from the dead. Abraham had reckoned it all in his heart, had done it all in his heart. And did fulfill that other part of the covenant. And now this covenant exists. And you and I get, by faith, we step into this already. That's why this thing is a heart issue. That's why this thing is a faith and believing issue. And not a work or an earn it or try to do better issue. It is a God has done it on our behalf issue. Psalms 9.10 says, Those who know the Lord will trust him. And as we wrap this up, his final, I think his final words would be, He's yelling at us. He's in that great cloud of witnesses. He's hollering at us. There's all these voices, and we tune in to Abraham's voice. I think he's yelling this. Live with an eternal perspective. 
If you're going to run your race, you live with an eternal perspective. Hebrews 10, 9 says, By faith he made a home in a promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He understood what God was doing through him on this earth, but he kept his eyes moving forward and looking. Guess what? Eternal life begins the day you believe. I'm living eternal life right now, and at some point I get to get rid of this shell and live it fully in the way it's meant to be. But eternal life begins the day you believe, and it includes our mortal years, but it is not defined by our mortal years. And the mistake we make is we begin defining how things go by our mortal years instead of eternal, eternal perspective. Hebrews 11 th- <clears throat> goes on in verse 13. It says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say such things <clears throat> that they are looking forward to a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a place for them. And Paul echoes this sentiment in Philippians 3. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Father Abraham, willing to do things and say yes to God when it made no sense, when it seemed messed up, when it seemed laughable, when it's like, God, why in the world would you do it this way? And thank goodness he did. Thank goodness he did. Thank goodness that Jesus came and, <clears throat> and fulfilled to us the covenant promise. The truth is, is God is for us. So let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Man, God is so for you. He is so for you. You may not understand it and see him at work and see his ways all the time. He's for you. You may think this is working out in a kind of a crazy sort of way. I do that all the time. God, are you serious? This is the way you want to do this? And man, his ways are so much better than our ways. It's better to roll with him than struggle against him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. We want to create a quiet moment for those of y'all who are here and you're like, I see it. I see this. I see that I thought that this relationship with God thing all this time was about me just trying to be better and me finally getting my second, third, 100th chance to do life right. And I recognize that it isn't about me doing life right. It was about that Jesus did everything right. And he did it on my behalf. And he's taking care of it. And his righteousness is available to me. He did it for me if I will simply believe that that counts for me. And if that's you, if you believe that today, that you're made right with God not based on what you've done or planned to do, but based on what Jesus has already done. If that's you, I want you to just lift up your hand and say, that's me. I believe it. I believe he took care of it. Amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Woo. Believers, I want you to just lift your voices. 
Because just like it was a heart issue and Abraham did it in his heart, these have already done it in their heart. You're the children of God. We're now going to pray a prayer, but your faith isn't in this prayer. Your faith is in what Christ has done. But we're going to pray. And I want you to repeat after me and say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he made the way. That his death covered all my sin. And his resurrection life is available to me. I believe it today. Today I'm your child because you did the work for me. I thank you that I'm a new creation. And you're going to work in me to make me more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Amen. Wonderful. Well, I just want to pray over you as we go out of here. If that was you, if you lifted up your hand and you need any resources, we've got some blue boxes over here that have Bibles and a little booklet and some music and some different things to get you going. If you need prayer for any issue in your life, the Bible says we're two or three gathered together and agree on something. The prayer of agreement is a powerful thing. Then get somebody to pray with you. We've got prayer partners at each side. We've got them in T9. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for these that came here today. I thank you, Lord, for your truth that speaks to our hearts and changes everything about our lives. Lord, that you are the one that made a way when there was no way. Lord, you are the one who is faithful, Lord, even when we are faithless. Lord, you're the one, Lord, who loved us, Lord, when we were not lovable at all. And we, are, we look to that and trust you that you are good and you do good. And, Lord, and we give you our lives And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray all fathers today are just blessed and they just enjoy the rest of this moment, Lord, and enjoy the fact that they have a high calling in loving and raising children. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Get up on your feet and praise Him